Uh, let me kick off this week three message by saying this. How awesome was Phil last week? Okay. This side loved it. This side, I'm not sure. It could be because of my ear, though. I'm like, maybe they were clapping. I didn't. It's possible. So he was, that was fantastic. I watched that um, last week. I was putting the video together, listening to it, and I just kept thinking, man, what a gift Phil is to our church. Um, just the ability to, to communicate and just his heart, such a powerful message. I don't know if you've noticed in your life how we tend to waver back and forth between um, too humble. Is that even possible? You know what I'm saying? Like being, too, oh, I'm just a dirt bag. Too humble to too proud. Oh, yes, you are a dirt bag, but I'm not. Right? Like we go back and forth between. So just that what a powerful message on unity and I just felt like it, it really set us up for today, right? Because today we're going to talk about one of the things in our lives that God uses in such a powerful way to bring unity to the body. And so because it's such a powerful tool to bring unity, guess who also likes to work in this area to keep us from being unified? Anybody want to guess? His name is, starts with S and ends with Aiton. Perfect. Good job. Satan. Yeah, so like he's always operating. He wants to keep us apart because he knows that unity is so powerful. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the movie Wonder. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. We need to go ahead and introduce that. So the movie this morning is Wonder, and it's about um, a main character, a young boy named Augie. But I'm going to let him introduce himself. So let's go ahead and roll that introduction. All right. So whether you are a homeschool boy with a disfigured face, or you are an addict or you are a divorcee, or you are a whatever you want to put in the blank. Here's the one thing that all of us in the room have in common. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you to look around the room. Go ahead. I know it's awkward. Just look around the room. All of us have this in common. We've all got scars. Life has a way of giving all of us scars. And the first thing I want you to remember this morning, I'm just going to go ahead and give, you, um, give it to you because we all think it, and so I'm just going to say it out loud. Scars are really hard to show. We, we do a lot to cover up the scars, right? So he wears a helmet that if he could have his way, he would wear it the, his whole life, but that's not possible. Um, some of the scars that we have that are physical, we buy clothes in order to cover them up. Some of the scars that we have that aren't physical, we go to even greater lengths to keep hidden because scars are hard to show. And, and here's one of the reasons why scars are hard to show, because you have an enemy, and he wants you to never experience the power of Revelation 12, 11. Here's what it says. And they, that means me and you, turn to the person next to you and say, that's you. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. There's power in the story. Even it's hard, it's hard to share the, the scar. We want to hide the scar, but the reason that we shouldn't hide the scars is because of that verse. These tests that we go through that give us the testimony, they're the things that leave us often scarred. And, and in this context, can I just challenge the typical church experience, we come to church dressed up to hide the scar. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm, I'm going to read a ton, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 12 to 27. Uh, the verses will be up here if you need them. And then we'll go back and talk a little bit about them. The human body, Paul says, is many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body, and so it is with the body of Christ. That's us. The church is the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. He just listed four areas that people can be scarred. But we have all. Everybody say all. It's horrible. Everybody say all. Much better. But all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Now listen to the next few verses. Here's what I want you to notice. We're going to read about 10 verses, and there's going to be a bunch of value statements made. You know what a value statement is, right? Like one is less than 10. That's a value statement. And there's going to be a lot of value statements that Paul's going to make. But what I want you to see is that God doesn't make any of these value statements. He's addressing the value statements that we put on the body. Are you with me? It'll make sense, okay? Here we go. Verse 14. So the body has many parts, many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. See the value statement? The foot said, well, I'm not as great as a hand. He made that statement. If the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Listen, I'm not going to show the clip because it's weird. But Steve Martin, you heard of him? Man, you should just Google it sometime. He's got a great bit about if your mouth was in your armpit. It's just a lot of fun, right? It's got nothing to do with Jesus. It's just a fun clip to watch about how you would eat cereal like this if your mouth was in your armpit. It's all this stuff. Like, he's talking about the body stuff, right? Like, we just take it for granted that, hey, this is what the body looks like. And what Paul's saying is, wait, wait, if the whole body were one part, how crazy would that be? I want you to see what God's getting to. Verse 18, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Anybody here do jigsaw puzzles? So the way you don't do jigsaw puzzles, I'm not a puzzle person, is you take the box and you throw it up in the air and it comes down together. Is that how you do jigsaw puzzles? No. Like, I mean, you're probably like a corner person and then the edges and then you start. But every piece fits somewhere, yes? And the person that's putting the puzzle together takes that piece and places them where they should go. The Greek word that we just read here for God has put each part, that's what it is implying. He's arranged it like a master puzzle person, maker, thing, a majig, right? He's like, he's putting the pieces in place, every part of the body. Even the parts that we just read say, well, value statement, I'm not nearly as important as Phil because he just played guitar and led worship. But Paul says they're all valuable because God's arranging the body just as he wants it. Verse 19, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect these parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together 
such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. And this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Listen, what I want you to see is that God values the whole body, right? He's, he's given you a part to play, and sometimes we try to even hide the, heart, the part that we've been given to play. Like, well, I'm a weird part of the body. I'm not nearly as important as that part of the body, so I'm just going to kind of try to blend in and hide. And then on top of how that feels, the part of the body that we are gets scarred. We go through things that hurt us. And it's another reason to cover that part up and just kind of sit in the chair and not, I don't want to serve. I don't want to be visible. I just want to hide. And what I want you to see is like, that's not the plan of God. Scars are hard to show, but God has arranged the body just as he wants it. So he wants you to share the parts of you that are hard to share. What, what happens when we're vulnerable and we don't experience, look, verses 21, 22, and 23, listen to, again, the eye can never say, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. What if we experience a body that says, I really don't need you? I don't know if you've ever experienced that in church, but I have. Where, where the people that are supposed to be full of the love of Christ are telling you that they don't need you because you're just a little too jacked up. Uh, I'm sorry, we, God forgives all sin, but we don't know what to do with you. So we're going to ask you to maybe go find another church. W what about people that have experienced verses 22 and 23? The, the opposite of that, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. What if you went to a church where they said you really aren't necessary? You are weak. We, don't ne we need the strong people here. We need the really good people here. We're trying to build a strong church, so you're not going to be good for us. Well, what happens to those people? What happens when we marginalize those people as the body? In our next scene, here's what you're going to see. Augie, and you're going to come to love Augie. Augie's just experienced one of his first days at school, fifth grade, and he comes home. And he's experienced what we just talked about. He's gone to school hoping that people will be nice. And he's experienced the exact opposite. And what do we do when we show our scars and it's not received? Hopefully we have a mom like Augie. Roll that clip. So Augie's mom knew our second point. And that is that scars tell a story. And your scar tells a story. And so does mine. Revelation twelve eleven again, the story that is told by our scars is the most powerful weapon we have against our enemy. They overcame by the word of their testimony. And that is why he works tirelessly to make sure that all of us are marginalized because of our scars. That all of us keep them hidden. He whispers, they won't understand. He screams, they'll judge you. And sometimes, unfortunately, he's been right. So can I just say, as a pastor of a church in America, I'm sorry 
for the times that he's been right. That we have marginalized people because they were different or because they had scars or stories that were messy. But our scars tell a story. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what our scars speak of. Okay, we're going to walk through this quickly. One, they talk about survival. I mean, like, I don't want you to show us your scar, especially if it's in places we shouldn't see. <laughs> I, I hurt my butt once. Keep it to yourself right now, right? Tell the story. Don't show the scar. But if you could look at the scars on your body, do you know what they say? They say that you overcame that. That you overcame whatever it was that caused that scar. You overcame it because you're here today telling us about it. Romans 8, 37. Paul said this. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. If you read the NIV, it says we overcame. We, in all these things, we overcome. You are here today with a scar because you survived. And what did you survive? Listen to this, verses 35 and 36. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Scriptures say, no, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Paul just listed in two verses a ton of things that can cause scars. And he said, in all these scars, we overcome. Survival. One of our favorite shows to watch is I Survived. It's a crazy show, and you hear all these stories about these people that went through awful circumstances, and at the end of it, they always say the same thing, but I'm here because I survived. Scars tell the story of survival. Scars tell the story of community. That same verse, it says, we overcome. Everybody say we. We. Like look around the room. We overcome together. You didn't survive these things alone. More than likely your story is going to be one of I went through this. I was hurt but somebody came and stepped in and helped me along the way. Our, our society thank goodness is starting to just love and appreciate and honor first responders. Right? But you go through an accident, and guess what? Somebody's showing up right away to help you. In the body of Christ, scars should tell the story of community. That I wasn't alone when I came through this. And your story, now that you've passed through it, when you share the story, it brings grace to the body and glory to God. I love that. We give people courage to stand against the people who want to bully us about the scars. That's what community is all about. Show that next clip. So we're not advocating a fist fight. <laughs> but find yourself a tribe like that who's got your back. Can I tell you that what has made the church strong in culture all through the years has been that this is a place that should have your back. And when the church does have its, each other's backs, man, it becomes a force. And when the church doesn't, she just becomes like the worst of the country clubs. Find that group. Find community. There's power in community. 
Scars speak of survival and community. They speak of authenticity. John 20, 25, they told him, we've seen the Lord. This is after the Lord was resurrected. But he, he, Thomas, said this, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. What was Thomas saying? Thomas is saying, look, if I don't see the scars, I can't believe it. Right? Scars speak of authenticity. Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, Paul's um, finishing up a letter that he wrote talking about the, the lordship of Jesus, that what Jesus accomplished on the cross, only he could have accomplished for us. He's, he's writing because he's getting tons of pushback on that doctrine, and he wraps it all up with this. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Like, some commentators actually believe that he was talking about physical scars that he bore. And if you read his letters to the Corinthians, he has two passages where he just lists all these things like he was shipwrecked and he was beat within an inch of his life. That's the southern saying, right? He's just all these things that happened to his body because he followed Jesus. And what he was saying was, I can talk about this because, look, I bear the scars. I know what I'm talking about. Look, I just came back from the beach. If somebody came out of the water and walked up to me and said, hey, whatever you do, don't swim over there because there's sharks, I'd be like, whatever. But if he showed me a scar where he'd been bitten by a shark over there, guess where I'm not going to go? Over there. Right? Scars give you authenticity. People can't really argue with what you're saying because you know what you're talking about. You, you've been there. You've done that. Bought the t-shirt and got the scar, right? Scars speak of authenticity. They speak of redemption. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, Joseph said, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Romans 8, 28. You've got t-shirts, coffee mugs, Works of art all over your house with this verse. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What, what, does, that, what does that mean? It means that scars on our, on our bodies or especially on our souls, scars prove that God can redeem all things. He can make the ugliest things beautiful again. Your scars are evidence of that. They speak of redemption. We are his tapestry. And then finally, scars speak of salvation. Isaiah 53, 5. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. John 20, 20. Jesus had shown up to the disciples, and here's what it says. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Speaks of authenticity again, too, doesn't it? He's like, y'all, I'm Jesus. Look. The same Jesus that went to the cross, the same Jesus that bears those scars to this day. Some commentators have have quoted this saying, the only man-made thing in heaven will be the scars of the Savior. Because he's still, there's power in his scars. They speak of salvation. 
The most powerful part of our scar of our scars is the story behind them because that story points people to Jesus. I overcame this because of Jesus. Our scars point to his scars, and his scars point to the cross and his work of redemption there. Um, it's possible that you've heard the song Scars by a band called I Am They. Won't play it for you or sing it for you, but I will give you the four lines of the chorus, and I love these. So I'm thankful for the scars, because without them I wouldn't know your heart, and I know they'll always tell of who you are. So forever I am thankful for the scars. The enemy wants to use our scars to alienate us from the body, right? I, nobody will understand. I'll, I'll put on as much as I can to cover up that scar so I never have to tell that story. Because if they, if they knew the real me, they wouldn't accept me. Because he knows, Satan knows, if he can keep us separated, then we'll never know the power of the stories that we could tell. Every scar tells a story. And he's the one who wants to marginalize us and separate us. But God is always what? Placing and arranging the body. God is always doing a jigsaw puzzle. And he's picking up Phil, and he's putting Phil here, and he's going to pick up Thomas, and Thomas is going to go here. And, like, I don't know if you're a corner piece or an, some of you have a sharp edge to you, so you might be an edge piece. I don't know. But, like, some of you are col more colorful, so you're, like, the part of the, like, I'm probably just like a, I don't know, like a sky or something, like just a plain old blue thing. Like, I don't even know where he fits because you can't see it, but like some of you are like flowers and birds, and we just stick you in there like, but he's arranging us, scars and all, into one beautiful picture, one beautiful mosaic. Listen, no more cookie-cutter faith. No more one-dimensional churches. Like, do you see what he's doing here? He is building like this multicultural, multi-perspective, multi-vitamin thing. Like, he's building a mosaic in this body. And, and here's why. And this is, if you remember one thing, please remember this. What makes you different makes us beautiful. Your scars make you different. You have a unique story to tell, and what makes you different comes together to make us beautiful. How did Paul say it? What if the whole body was an eye? Well, what's a better way to say it? What if the whole gathering was middle-aged white dudes? Ugh. I mean, I am one, right? So, like, I'm not knocking it, but, like, wouldn't that be the most boring place ever? What if the gathering was toddlers? They'd have fun, <laughs> right? I mean, like, you see, like, God, what's God saying is, like, all these perspectives, I'm arranging them just as I want them. Because when they're all in place, the story will accomplish so much glory for my kingdom. That's the goal. God is building something here that's beautiful. I got one final clip. And what I hope you see in this clip, and, and I don't want to give the story away if you haven't seen it, but you, 
you are going to see the ending, so sorry, spoiler alert. But the whole movie just follows Augie through his first year of school in the fifth grade. And so a lot of the kids that you saw in that one clip were against him at the beginning. He's been bullied. And at the end, they have this assembly. You'll see it in a moment where they just kind of celebrate the end of the year. And what I want you to see is when you have the courage to stand and tell your story, to not hide the scar, to pull the helmet off and say, look, this is who I am. This is who I am. The power that comes with that can bring God such glory and can unify his body so powerfully. Watch this last clip. God sees you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He loves you. Scars and all. Just close your eyes. Bow your head. Just be with him for a moment. I'm going to play a song called Arms of Grace. I want you to listen to the words as it plays. You just respond to the Lord. And then I'll close this. God, I thank you that you have placed extreme value on our stories. Because we wouldn't have them without the cross. You are the master redeemer. So, God, I thank you that the scars that we have, they point to who you are. Yours is the greatest story of all. And I pray over this family, God, that we would be a church that loves Augies. That people who are marginalized would find a home here. People who don't look like us would be welcome here. That our city would see at the gathering a picture of heaven and the glory of God would grow here. And that we would never cheapen your grace by trying to make it fit into a box where everybody looks the same. So today, God, we value the stories in this room and the scars that come with them. And we pray that you would continue to do a great work here. Just as your heads are bowed and just as you're giving people freedom just to kind of process if you're here today and you feel, I mean, marginalized is such a big word, but if you feel on the outside, if you feel like, man, I'm never going to be good enough, my scars are too bad, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you, if that's you. Would you just put your hand up and say, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We just want to pray over you. And if you're here and you've never known the life that Jesus offers. You've never known freedom because of um, those scars, the enemy telling you that he, Jesus will never understand and he could save the whole world but never you. Can I just tell you that you're in the best place today to start a brand new life with Jesus. I mean, we're not powerful because we have a story. We have a story because he was powerful and at the cross, he took care of the things that divide us and our stories point to him. 
And I would love today to lead you to the Lord. If you're here and you've never received Christ and you want to today, would you raise your hand and say yes to Jesus today? All right. Listen, can we stand together? I'm going to pray over you. And then we're going to get out of here. Father, in your name, Jesus, I thank you for your work on the cross. I thank you that you came near to those who were far away. We know that from Ephesians chapter 2, God. Our whole church is based off that passage. We want to be near you because you came near us. You abolished the wall that divided us so that we could be one family, God. And I thank you that in this place, you're doing a, a work that will, will only point to you and will always bring you glory. So thank you, Father, for the scars that we have. And God, I thank you that here is a place where we can share those stories and know that others in the room will be encouraged by them, but, but mostly, God, that you'll be glorified in them. And I pray as we head out of here today, God, that we would truly see people the people that we're going to meet at restaurants and later as we shop or maybe at the, at the lake, God, tomorrow when we go to work. God, we're going we're gonna to meet people who have real hurt. And I'm praying that you would help us to see them, God, to see where they are and to share the grace of Jesus Christ with them that they might know the power that you offer them. In your name, Jesus, amen. Man.